Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you Chapter 28 of Radiance, my Fallout fan fiction. I do hope you've been enjoying this little stroll through the uh, Fallout universe and uh, to meeting all the crazy tale death claws and human loving Night Stalker girls, and are looking forward to the mysteries that the world are going to provide for you and the uh, strange and wonderful wild creatures that are going to come out of the world and uh, snatch up the open-minded little humans they'll find along the way. Only going to be one way to actually find out who they're going to be, though. That's to join me on this little journey. Also, I hope you can, you know, like, subscribe, and leave me feedback wherever you can. Either fanfiction.net or archiveofourown.org, or even my own website, ghostnobody.com. You can leave them, just put the word podcast in the title so that I know exactly which one you're uh, referencing. And also, if you're enjoying this, you might want to check out my uh, original work on my website called Stormrider, filled with dragons and all sorts of other fun sort of fantasy creatures. It's a little bit different, different to what I'm used to writing, because there's no sci-fi in it, but it's a fantasy adventure, so there's lots of magic and, you know, human-loving non-human girls like dragons, etc. So come on along, check it out. You might enjoy it. So... Let's get on with the show, shall we? Oh, and the usual legal disclaimer. I don't own Fallout, plugs, glitches, crashes, mods, any of that stuff. I'll leave all that to Bethesda, and they can charge you for the mods. I'll just, you know, do the work for free. Let's get on with the show. Chapter 28. Wardrums. Seven yawned and stretched himself out. As he did, he felt Visa tighten her grip on him and he looked down to see his possessive claw girl below him. He couldn't help but smile softly to himself. One would never imagine that a human could ever fall in love with one like her. But not only had he done so, but he utterly worshipped her. She was his reason to keep going and to keep fighting. Both his love and his strength wrapped up in one big beautiful scaly hide. What surprised him the most about her was her strong sense of nobility and honour. He'd never imagine a wild creature like her possessing such qualities. But in her, not only were they proudly evident, but she utterly embodied them. Standing tall and proud in both the defence of her own and of others. Like some kind of warrior princess, determined to lead her people to victory against an utterly ruthless enemy. Seven got so wrapped up in his little fantasy of Visa, mounted atop a rather oversized horse, dressed in full plate armour, leading an army of claws to defeat a vicious enemy on the field of battle, before rushing into his tent to steal away a human prince, throwing him over her shoulder and running away with it back to his castle, that he didn't actually notice that she'd woken up and was watching him curiously. When she finally spoke, it hit the utterly lost warm in fuzziness seven like a slap. Is this a private fantasy? Or could anyone join my human? She asked, and seven shook his head to clear it, before his eyes refocused on his claw girl, who was giving him a rather evil and toothy grin. Er, uh, sorry, got caught up in a daydream, he said rather embarrassedly. Hmm, I saw, and by the way you were smiling so dreamily, I'd wager a rather happy one. Care to share? She purred softly, her eyes narrowing on him like she was trying to use her focus to pry his deepest secrets from his heart. Seven shivered slightly as he felt one of her clawed fingertips tracing the cleft of his spine in a gentle stroking motion. It's uh, kind of embarrassing, 
Seven said softly, and Visa leant in and gently rubbed his cheek with hers. You never need to be embarrassed to tell me the secrets of your heart, my sweet one. I would never judge you, and I love to see the way your mind works. So please, she pressed a little, and Seven already knew flattery would get her everywhere. Well, um, I know it sounds daft and somewhat fucking stupid, but I uh, kind of imagined you were a mighty and proud knight-like warrior princess rode into battle on a gigantic white horse while I'm um, leading an army of claws against an evil army of enclave soldiers before bursting into a tent to rescue me from them and carrying me away, he said with embarrassment simply dripping from his voice. Visa blinked a few times in surprise at his complete and utter honesty in describing his fantasy to her, but then her face cracked into a wide and tooth-filled smile, before turning somewhat sly and devious. In one swift and smooth movement, Seven found himself on his back, pinned underneath her, with his wrists above his head, both locked in one big claw her hand, while the other gently traced its way along his jawline. Well, if this Princess Claw is going to fight an army for a human prince, then she's going to expect a reward, don't you think? Now, what reward could there be that would be worthy of a noble Claw Princess, hmm? Visa purred softly in Seven's ear, before running her long tongue around his neck, gently making him shiver. Seven squirmed and writhed under Visa's delicious torment as he felt her claws tracing his naked and incredibly sensitive skin. Adding her tongue on top of that was utterly wonderful, and it made him squirm all the more. Visa pressed her weight down a little and pinned his hips below her pelvis, and he instantly felt the incredible heat of her womanhood burning against his flesh. And oh, she felt so good against him. The way she grounded against his naked skin, marking him with a very hefty dose of her scent and her emanations. I don't think a pro princess is supposed to ravish her prince, Visa. Seven panted breathlessly, and Visa cracked a fang-filled evil smile. Says who? Because they obviously haven't met any claw princesses then, have they? Because in my version of the fantasy, the noble alpha claw princess whisks her beautiful human prince away to her luxurious nest and ravishes him all night long until neither of them can move and the beautiful human prince can even look at another girl without a profound sense of disappointment in his eyes, knowing that no human will ever measure up to his noble alpha-claw princess. She growled softly, making Seven chuckle. I don't think you ever have to worry in that department, my sexy alpha-princess. Not seen many near-eight-foot human girls with thighs that can crack concrete, or tails that can make a man weak at the knees running around here, have you? he said, and Visa growled deeply and wantingly. No, I have not, and right now this alpha princess is going to ravish her sexy human prince and show him why he sits on the throne of her heart, she said before opening her mouth and licking her long tongue over his throat and chest again. This time it seemed that Seven's fantasy had really gotten to Visa and got her rather hot under the scales, because whereas she would have utterly revelled in their foreplay and teasing, Right now she simply wanted a human, in the purest form, and by the way she was tightening her grip around his wrists, as well as pinning his ankles with her tail, she wanted to be utterly in control of it as well.
Seven didn't mind at all. He knew the deep truth of Isa's heart as well. To seeing him writhing in pleasure and ecstasy and knowing she was the cause was her greatest thrill and joy. When Visa made jokes about wanting to drown him in pleasure, they were only half-jokes, as his big sexy alpha princess claw might be possessive and controlling at times, but she made him her sole and utter focus during those times. It was a love like no other. And to Seven, she was the greatest joy in the universe, given flesh and scale. Visa wasted no time using one of her long-clawed fingers to hook his manhood, and with a slick, practiced movement, guided it right into her hot, dripping and waiting entrance. Seven felt every single ridge and bump within her as her liquid silk walls clamped down on him, moulding her flesh around him like liquid as she gripped him and pulled him towards her molten hot core. The growl that escaped her set all the kinds of primal instincts off in Seven's brain. He squirmed and writhed like he was trying to escape, and this set off a very different set of instincts within Visa's brain. Her predatory nature instantly surfaced, and her grip tightened and her muscles tensed like she was preparing to fight to keep hold of her prey and to earn her supper. Suddenly she lunged forward, hunching right over and bit down on his neck and shoulder, making Seven gasp in both shock and surprise. But the expected fatal bite never came. Instead, he felt nothing but her mouthing and nipping at the nerve-rich skin, never actually breaking it. But it was more than enough to send an absolute torrent of pleasurable tingles shooting right down his spine, which made him try and arch his back and thrust his hips upwards. But Visa had a powerful grip on him and kept him pinned. Not this time, my sweet prince. This time your alpha princess is going to have you and take you all away. She growled deeply, which made Seven's heart turn into an utter jackhammer in his chest. Seven just submitted to his beautiful claws once, and he just let her have his way, have her way with him, and with her way to his heart. And she so obviously wanted in that moment, she felt him relax and submit to her. She began to move, and also intensify her nibbling on his collarbone and neck. Just relax, my beautiful one. Let your alpha claw please you, she growled, and Seven felt her begin to move slowly. Each thrust was utter heaven. He just couldn't tear his eyes off his big, beautiful claw girl as she reared up, taking her hands with her. She planted his hands on her chest swells, letting his fingers delve deep right into the soft, pliant, scale-covered flesh, filling his palms with her large nipples. Seven utterly revelled in Visa showing herself off for him like this, even when she was in control. She wanted him to see and to feel every single part of her. And it worked so beautifully well, because there was an utterly no feeling on earth like being laid flat on your back, looking up at a huge girl bearing down on you as she made love to you. Visa's inside gripped Seven like a liquid silk glove, made just for him. She gripped him so tightly that he could see, easily see her flesh being pulled out from the gap below her protective flap, stretching as it desperately tried to hold on to his hard, throbbing human flesh. Visa herself lifted her arms above her head, pushing her chest swells out into his hands, as she gave him the most incredible and deeply salacious look. Licking her lips and fangs as she gazed at him wantingly, 
looking every bit the apex predator she was. He just couldn't keep his eyes off her, gazing her up and down her incredible body, watching every one of those bunched, fist-sized abdominal muscles flexing and coiling as she rode him hungrily. A seven tried to sit up to reach behind her. Visa planted a large hand in the centre of his chest, and a powerful shove pushed him back down flat on his back. It appeared that she was unwilling to let up, and a semblance of control to him this time either. A large hand held him flat on his back as she began to intensify her thrusts, making her soaking scales and his flesh slap against his, as well as making her long tail bounce and slap down on his legs. Seven still had enough of his mind in order to, from all the pleasure, enable to unleash an army of his invisible hands, and the look of surprise in Visa's eyes as she felt human hands squeezing her arse cheeks, as well as cupping her breasts while she held him down, was priceless. A dark and powerful grin crossed her face. So this is the game you wish to play, my beautiful prince? Then so be it. I will not lose, she snarled, and with that she redoubled her efforts, as if she took his sudden attack as a challenge to her dominance. She began to rotate her hips through a figure of eight with every thrust, not to mention the fact that now her internal muscles were seriously getting in on the action, by squeezing and milking in perfect sync with her thrusts. Seven knew he couldn't hold out long under such incredible torment, but he was going down fighting. So he summoned yet more hands to the army, and they targeted some more of his big core girl sweet spots. With the playing field levelled and Visa's body under attack from every direction by an invisible army of caressing, playful hands that were sending a torrent of purest pleasure burning through her nervous system, Visa gave up the pretense of a game and simply went for it. Her eyes seemed to roll back into her skull and she lifted her head right back up as her hips crashed down like a scaly piston onto Seven's human ones. The result was a tie. Visa let out a roar that if Seven hadn't known what it was, it would have scared the living daylights out of him. He felt her insides contract around him and tried to pull his entire length into her womb. This was coupled with the force down from her hips pushing down hard and the rippling effect passing along his shaft. He let out his own roar as he released deep inside her, filling her womb to the brim, as he felt her muscles working to not only milk every single drop from him, but to suck up and keep every single drop he'd already given her. Visa fell forwards onto her elbows, which put Seven's face securely between her chest swells and panted hard above him. He could feel her entire body trembling in pure pleasure as it burned through her, and she rode through the waves of it like a surfer. When it finally subsided, she moved off him and lay down at his side, drawing him into her arms. You never go down quietly or easily, do you, my beautiful human? She growled softly, nuzzling, her fa- nuzzling his face. Would you have me my any other way? Would you want me a silent whipped dog for a mate? Or someone with fire in their belly who will push back when you least expect it? He asked softly, and her growl softly told him what he needed to know. Thought so. Don't ever change, my human, Visa said, licking his face before drawing him into a supremely deep kiss. Eventually, the pair disentangled themselves and got up. Seven decided to leave his power armour in the teepee for today, 
so that the villagers could see that he was just a person like them. No different, well, other than the skin colour and his ability to move things best by thinking about it anyway. But still just a simple human being. Plus, he figured it helped out around the village. It might help them to trust him some more. No sooner had they stepped out of the tent into the light of the morning sun, the pair noticed that the others were already awake and had had the same idea. They had only gone two steps when they saw a wisp rolling along carrying a couple of huge pails of water along with a whole host of children that were riding along her, whooping and yelling with joy. Good morning, you two. Hope you have both have enough energy left to help out around here after your <clears throat> early morning workout, Wisp said playfully, and Visa's face cracked into a wide, almost proud smile. There is nothing like the attentions of her male first thing in the morning to make a proud noble claw such as I ready for her day. What is there to be done? she said, making Wisp chuckle. Well, if you're not too sore, and uh, you can help your brother move some logs down by the main gate. Gregory's, um, building something. And uh, he managed to get Runs to convince the chief to let him construct it there, she said. Very well, Visa said, nodding before she turned to Seven and stroked his face lovingly with her long claws. I will see you later, my beautiful one, she said, punctuating her sentence with a deep kiss before heading off to join her brother and Seven just couldn't help but watch her tail swish as she walked away. Seven noticed the blacksmith was hard at work, making both spears and other things in the centre of the village, so he decided to go and see if he could help out there. As he approached, he noticed to his surprise that the blacksmith was a rather tall, muscular, bald-headed black man, who rather stuck out somewhat. As Seven approached, the man looked up at him curiously from his anvil, and a mistake that nearly cost him, as his distraction, Seven saw him swing down at his own hand rather than the hot metal he was shaping. Out of pure instinct and reflex, Seven shot out his hand, and one of his invisible hands snatched the hammer from the man's hand before it collided, and the hand's eye, man's eyes widened in alarm before he looked down and realised what he'd have been about to hit. A large man visibly relaxed. Seven put the floating hammer down on the anvil. Thanks for that, brother. So you must be the metal white man who turns people into pulp just by thinking about it. Eh, you're not what I expected, the man said in perfect English as he picked up a rag and wiped his glistening brow. His skin was so black that under the light of the sun it almost appeared to have a blue tinge to it. No worries. And yeah, that's me. Kind of expecting someone taller and maybe metal? Seven said, and a little sarcastically, which made the huge man laugh like a drink. Yeah, I guess so. Gotta say, I think I'm gonna like you, white boy. You got a fire in you, even when you're not in that power armour suit of yours. Reginald P. Bartram at your service. But you can call me Reggie, he said, offering Seven a hand that looked like he would easily double as either a shovel head or a hammer head in a pinch, given how utterly ginormous it was. Seven took it and shook it feeling Reggie squeeze his knuckles in a bit of a grind as he did, which made Seven smile a little. Reggie was a bit of an alpha male, but the good kind, not the strutting peacock variety who could only crow about their only self-worth. Now, Seven could already see that this was the kind who simply got stuck in and did what needed to be done. It simply radiated off him like an aura. Feeling the knuckle grind, Seven grinned, knowing that he had no chance of reciprocating with his own strength, 
as his hands were tiny by comparison. But he used the claw hand, but he was used to claw hands, which made Reggie's hand look tiny. And given he was used to standing up to Visa, this guy was no threat. He simply squeezed using telekinesis. Just a little jolt that made Reggie crack a wide smile that kind of made him look like a happy shark. Now that's a hell of a handshake you got there, kid. Plus that's a hell of a neat trick. So what is it? Telekinesis or what? Reggie said, making Seven recoil and surprise a little. Y- yeah, how did you know that? He stammered and Reggie gave him a knowing smile. Ain't just a pretty face, son. Been around a long time and I've seen all kinds of shit. Hell, I was one of the first outsiders these people came to trust after old Joshua Graham set this place up. Long before Mr Crispy went and got himself killed, Reggie said, and Seven cocked his head seriously. Joshua Graham, he asked, and Reggie nodded. A strange one, that man, to be sure. One side, utterly ruthless and damn near unstoppable. On the other... Kind and compassionate, with a genuine want to help people. He was the one who originally got the dead horses to where they are today. He even managed to quell the fighting between the white legs and them for a while at least. But now he's gone. Things are just creeping back in how they used to be again. I always think that that man had more demons in his head and heart than they were in the entire of hell itself. But now he's gone, and maybe he went to join them, who knows. But I do have to be thankful for what he got me in here. Without him, I'd have still been on the run from the Enclave, Reggie said bitterly. Seven's heart froze and Reggie saw it. You know who I'm talking about, don't you, lad? See, he said and Seven nodded. Yeah, I know them all right, he said and Reggie looked him up and down with a curious look before nodding to himself. You're one of their little experiments. Motherfuckers just never knew when to leave well enough alone now, do they? How did you manage to escape? he asked. Seven pointed a wisp who was barely visible now under a mountain of kids clambering all over her. She was barely more than a pair of metal arms with, and some wheels. The robot let you out? Reggie said, sounding surprised. Believe it or not, she's not a robot. She's a human like me or you. She's just different. She's non-corporeal. She can enter the body of any robot and control it like a puppet. He explained and Reggie's eyes widened and then he scratched his chin thoughtfully. Yeah, that sure as hell sounds like something they'd do. I'm guessing it was the same for you. Let me guess. No memories before waking up in their secret little bunker somewhere, right? He said and Seven looked at him in utter shock. How the hell did you know that? He exclaimed and Reggie huffed. "'Cause I seen it with my own two eyes, kid. "'All right, let me break it down for you. "'See if anything fits the familiar here,' he said, "'and Seven listened intently as he began to speak. "'You see, the Enclave is always on the lookout "'for the next edge they can give themselves "'over the other powers in the wastes. "'They got a whole lot of little fingers all over, "'and those fuckers are buried to the fucking knuckles "'and a whole lot of pies. "'I was a hunter.' one of the Enclave's elite capture or kill squads. It was our job to either bag a target they pointed at, or vanish the poor fucker permanently. Now those we bagged wound up in a place like the one you came from, or most likely escaped from. Underground bunkers, either custom-made or repurposed from some of the old vaults that are laying around all over the shop. 
Either way, those that went in never come back out. They would look for those for those with gifts, if you call them that. In reality, they were just mutations caused by the radiation and God only knows what else. They would dissect the poor fuckers to find out what made them tick, but not before they harvested sperm and egg cells from them. And boom, instant mutant breeding program, Reggie said. Seven was utterly aghast. You just took people from their homes and dragged them to their deaths? For nothing more than being different? He exclaimed angrily and Reggie nodded. I ain't going to make any excuses for it, kid. I was young, and like most of all of them, I was born into the Enclave like every one of them is. My parents were high-up officers in the chain of command. They got me where I ended up. I was young and fucking stupid. I genuinely believed that we were doing what was best for the good of the country. It took too fucking long for my eyes to get forced open and to realise what fucking horrors I was actually committing. Comes to a point when you look at a death claw in a cage being tortured and to try and make it docile and you realise it's not the monster. You are, Reggie said bitterly. Hey, careful with the death claw and monster bit. I happen to love one very dearly and insulting them in front of me is rather unwise. Seven growled, which made Reggie's eyes widen. So it is true. Been hearing people whispering like crazy that a Night Stalker girl is marrying young runs, and that the two came in with your lot, been making a whole lot of odd noises in the night. Not to mention the fact that they can talk. But I just put that down to village hokum. But it's true, he said, and Seven nodded. My visa is a noble, beautiful and proud woman. I love her and respect her, and anyone who insults her will answer to me. Live or die, I'll defend my girl, Seven said proudly, and Reggie began to chuckle. And before Seven could figure out what in the name of hell was happening, Reggie was full on belly laughing. He slapped a huge hand down on his shoulder. Oh, I like you, kid. You've got some serious fire if you think your deathclaw girl needs you to defend them. But all right. I can see what you've got fire in your heart to back up what you say. Plus, after hearing what you did to that white leg leader outside, and just seeing what you can do with my own eyes, i got to believe you're good for it, too. Non-humans and humans loving one another. Never thought I'd see the day for that to happen. But I guess the world changes a hell of a lot faster when you try to hide from it, or simply shut it out, Reggie said, and Seven simply huffed in annoyance. So you're not disgusted? Seven asked wearily. It was a loaded question to test the man's integrity and Reggie simply smiled at him. Might not be my flavour, kid, but I ain't the one that's got to look under a tail now, am I? So if scales and a temper that would make a full-on demon back the fuck up and enough muscles to drop-kick a super mutant green arse to the motherfucking moon is your flavour, then you do you, son. I hope you just got enough to keep her happy. Though by the roars I heard echoing across the village this morning... I'd say so. Funny, I thought it was just her complaining about being woken up. Guess I know the truth now, though, huh? He said, chuckling again, and Seven looked proud at that. Well, anyway, now where was I? Oh yes, the breeding programme. Now, I don't pretend to know the ins and outs of the science those fuckers were tinkering with. All I know is they were trying to weaponize those mutations, and to try and use them to create some kind of super-soldier that could be born into the Enclave, and utilised just like I was. Can you imagine? A race of power-armoured super-soldiers with all kind of power and abilities? 
at their disposal, it make the Enclave utterly unstoppable. And there's a full-on mutation program. These things have given a whole ro- rise to a whole host of things. Some of them are full-on nightmare fuel. Mutation programs? Seven Aston Reggie nodded. In short, kid, they were breeding monsters. Imagine your big deathclaw girl back there, but crossed with something like a rad spider. Hell, imagine humans crossed with them. Their goal is to create creatures that could be thrown into battle and would be nigh on unstoppable, like unleashing a living tank into a battlefield. Trust me, kid, some of the things I've seen would make the super mutants and your big claw back there look like fluffy fucking kittens. By comparison, Reggie said with a visible shudder. This gave Seven a hell of a lot to think about. What made you get out? he asked eventually. I began to see the reality of what I was doing. I saw good communities utterly destroyed simply because they wouldn't bow down and accept the Enclave's rule. Good people murdered because they dared to speak out against us. I began to take a real good, long, hard look at the world and realised I was part of the fucking problem. I was making it worse, not better. The straw that broke the proverbial camel's back was my squad was ordered to wipe out an entire town to serve as a lesson to their neighbours as to what happens to settlements that don't toe the line with us. Obey us and you're left alone. Resist and you get turned to fucking dust. I can still see the bodies every night in my dreams and I welcome it because it reminds me every single day what I did and makes me strive harder and harder to earn any kind of forgiveness that I might be able to obtain though I'm under no illusions that I deserve any. So now, I just do what I can, like with these good people. They took me in when I ran away, so now I work to make their lives better, Reggie said, gesturing with a large hand across all the metal wares in his little blacksmithing shop produced. There was everything from buckets to spears to arrows to knives to even gardening and farming tools. I learned the trade from the previous blacksmith before he died of cancer. Then I took that knowledge and moved it forward by using all the things I'd seen in the places I'd been to give that to these people. Better farming tools, tin baths for their homes, hell, even water pumps and filters that can be fitted where needed, Reggie said proudly, and Seven nodded as a thought occurred to him. Do you think you could teach that to me? he said, and Reggie looked surprised. You want to be a blacksmith? he asked curiously. I think it'd be a valuable skill to have out there in the wastes. Craftsmen are kind of limited, you know. Just look at Gregory over there. He's a full-on engineer and mechanic. How many of him do you think they are wandering around? He said, pointing at the black-suited human who was currently directing people to move a load of heavy poles about. Looked like he was trying to build some kind of tower, all the while being fussed over by Ven. Reggie scratched his chin and nodded. You got a point there, kid. All right, then. Grab yourself a hammer and we can chat while we work, he said, and pulled down a second leather apron, the kind he was wearing, and the pair got to work. As they worked, Seven explained to Reggie what had happened to him and to the others, down to the part of even falling in love with Visa, so that there were no misunderstandings between them. Surprisingly for someone who used to be part of the Enclave, Reggie was rather understanding. 
even going as far as to say that in a world like this, love was the most sought-after and rarest of all precious resources, because good women were just so damn hard to find. Even going as far as to tell him a few stories about girls he'd seen run away from good-loving homes to join things like raider factions for a thrill or an adventure. This was just about one of the stupidest things that Seven had ever heard, but it got him thinking about the women he'd seen in some of the raider factions that he himself had done battle with, and it made him wonder if there really was any hope left for humanity. That's when he caught sight of Visa bending down to pick up a huge tree trunk that had been cut into a log, and his eyes roamed up under a utterly sculpted rear end, and very nearly turned his own hand into paste, till Reggie snatched the hammer from him, startling him. You want to keep your eyes on that shovel head and off your big girl's arse? Reggie said with a playful grin. Seven chuckled and blushed a bit, rubbing the back of his head with a hand. Well, I guess that makes us even now, doesn't it? He said, and Reggie chuckled hard. Yeah, I guess it does. But I will say this, son. You might be on something with those claw girls. Now, while I did say definitely not my flavour, can't deny your girl got a mighty fine tail end there. Just for God's sake, don't tell her I said that. By the way you described her, get the feeling she's a one human claw, and I doubt she'd appreciated another human taking a look, he said in seven laughed. Yeah, you got that right. Though it's much worse for girls who look at me, I can assure you of that, he said, and Reggie roared with laughter. Now that I can believe. They say hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, or the devil himself knows no fire like a woman's jealousy. You got yourself the epitome of both right there. Now don't you, son? He said, grinning like he just won a prize ham or something. Seven laughed and nodded, feeling an itch on the back of his neck. He glanced up to find Visa gazing at him before being slapped across the back of her head by her brother for not paying attention, and just standing there holding a huge log on her shoulder, which set off a whole lot of claw shouting, which Seven could hear, even hear the growls and roars from where he stood. He chuckled and shook his head. You got that right. But I'd not have her any other way. She's big, beautiful, strong as they come, with a heart of gold and a soul of flame. And she's all mine, he said proudly. Probably helps that she got a nice ass, too, Reggie said jokingly, and this made Seven roar with laughter. Damn straight, and trust me, you ain't lived until you see what they got hiding under those big sexy tails close up, he said, and now Reggie's turn to laugh again. You sure is a strange one, kid, I'll say that. And you don't hold back either, do you? He said with a grin. Think I got a choice with her? He said, and Reggie nodded. Yeah, I can see what you mean. Can't imagine a death claw being exactly subtle. He said, and Seven grinned. Well, if I ever consider throwing a grenade into a room filled with glass subtle, then yeah, she's the epitome of it. He said, and Reggie laughed. You got balls, kid, I'll give you that. Mind you, to seduce one of their kind, I should have guessed that one a mile off, he said. A few hours later, Seven really got his hand on the blacksmithing lock. He really seemed to make good practice for use of his telekinesis as well. He found that by using his mind, he could shape and form the metal far easier than by using the hammer or the other shaping tools. All he needed was a general dynamic of how a particular item was crafted, and he could replicate it using his invisible army. To his sheer delight, the pain that came with it actually beginning to become quite tolerable now. He guessed all the practice with his invisible hand army was really starting to pay off.
Speaking of invisible hands, as he glanced up he saw too good of an opportunity to miss. Well, two in fact. Across the way, Visa and Ven were just hammering in the final supports for the new lookout tower, which his sister knocked into a few final pegs to lock the legs into place. Ven was bending forward and leaning on the long haft of his hammer. He happened to notice Gregory by his draft table about four feet away, staring at Ven's ass like a starving man staring at a stake. So with a burst of focus, Seven reached out and smacked the big claws by his ass with one of his invisible hands. Ven let out a surprised yell and his tail went shot up and ran ramrod straight for a split second before he hunkered down and spun round to find a guilty party but found rather only a rather confused-looking Gregory looking up at him. Ven stared at him for a moment before letting out a growl that Seven heard from where he was stood. Before the surprised human knew what the hell was going on, he found himself dangling from Venge's broad shoulder and the big claw boy was marching across the village, growling about the need to teach his beautiful human not to start what he wasn't willing to finish, before vanishing from sight. Visa stood looking utterly confused, until she let out an equally surprised yell as the sensation of a human hand colliding with one of her scaly cheeks of glory made her jump out of her scales before dropping into a fighting stance and spinning around on the spot looking for the human who was about most likely to have his head ripped off. Instead, a narrow eyes found Seven, grinning at her like an idiot from his blacksmith stand, and she instantly clicked onto what had just happened to her. The sound of a few hundred pounds of angry-slash-aroused Deathclaw girl marching on a mission would scare the living daylights of anyone who wasn't accustomed to it. And by the way, the look on Reggie's face was right now, when Visa stomped up to the blacksmith's stand, he most definitely wasn't. Er, uh, can I help you? he asked, and Visa shot him a dangerous look. I'm taking my human. He needs to learn a lesson in claw manners and also consequences, she growled. And before he knew it, Seven was the one now dangling from a large claw shoulder. Me, you, tent, now, Visa snarled. And just like that, they were off. An hour later, Seven staggered out of their tent and found Gregory still confused. But looking at the dreamy and utterly glazed smile on his face, it wasn't an unhappy confused. He smiled at Seven knowingly and Seven returned it. Don't know what the hell I just did, but if that's what I get... I guess I'll just have to do it more often. Now, if I only knew what it was, the love-drunk human said, and Seven grinned at him. Don't worry, Gregory, I'm sure you'll figure it out sometime, he said with a wink at Ven, who was just emerging from the tent looking rather pleased with himself. The big claw shot a look at his human, then at Seven, and then at Visa, and suddenly clicked onto exactly what had happened to him, and what he'd just been tricked into. Sneaky human you got there, sister. You need to keep a close eye on him or he might wind up being responsible for a whole human village being carried off by hopeful and amorous non-humans who got tricked into thinking the humans have suddenly become rather bold, open-minded or just wishing to take a walk on the wild side, he said with a deep growl. Is that a complaint, dear brother? Lisa purred, wrapping her long arms around Seven from behind and pulling him into a tight, possessive hug. Visa did the same to his own love-drunk human, who was still all giggly and soppy, but also welcoming him with a hug. Now did I say that? He purred, giving Gregory an upside-down kiss. And that's when they both heard it. Both claws snapped their heads up, looking towards the gate. What is it? Seven said, going instantly on alert. Drums. 
lots of drums, and they're getting closer, Visa said. And that's chapter 28. Mm, seems like somebody's coming their way. I wonder if they'll be friend or foe. Only going to be one way to find out. Going to have to tune in next time. So until next time, this is Ghost Nobody signing off and saying, I'll see you next time.